Hey there, everybody. This is Alex Eden at Want to Game with my buddy John Wilder. Making our own rules. Today. Our own rules and our very own intro. Okay, I'm gonna let the man tell us how we can make our own intro. Well, I, well, I, I am going to tell you. I, I am the man. You are the man. Need to look at me. I am the man. Oh no. <laughs> I'm the man of this family. Okay. You're the man of the house. Yes. You're the man of my life. Anyway, we have a very interesting episode today. Bit of a small one or a big one, we'll see how it goes. But this is a, a concept that I feel isn't very explored often on these kind of gaming-related talk shows. A lot of games have... You can't really have a game without having your kind of magic circle, your place where we have certain you know, uh, expectations and things that we are willing to give up or accept for in order to gain football, you gotta have the two teams, you gotta have the field, you gotta get the ball to get the uh, Soccer, same thing. Every sport, every game, video, narrative, otherwise has rules for the game to exist. But that's not the only way to have fun. You can make your own rules. You can make your own games. And you can take the games that exist and add your own little spins to them, your own little self-imposed challenges or fixes to make the game better for you. That's what this episode is about. It's game, it's, this is an episode about making your own rules. Now, what do I actually mean by that? So, that for someone who is not in the know, it kind of sounds like a, what, what, like playing Monopoly and just saying, oh, it's enough money to use corn chips or something? And I understand that. It would be a little odd. Like, what do you mean adding your own rules or about making the game better? It makes it, you know, weirder. Well, let me give you a few examples that you may or may not have heard of that really show kind of the self-imposed rulemaking uh, in the larger gaming space. And I, the most obvious one, the biggest one that, you know, I think most people are aware of is the speed run, and more specifically, the speed running community. Have you ever tried doing speed run? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, nothing for, nothing major. Definitely for smaller games online, there it's like, oh, you know, I've been this thing. I want to see if I can make it to the end faster. But yeah, for those who don't know, speedrunning is a type of gameplay style in which you find a game that you really like, or maybe even a game that you don't like, but you know you can like, you're good at, and you make it your goal to finish that game as fast as possible. And and the faster you do it, the more praise you get from the community. You know, you may even get like a world record. I know a lot of people have like, you know, world record for beating Mario in under just like a minute or beating The Legend of Zelda in just like 20 minutes or blah, blah, blah. And there's different versions and variations people take when it comes to it. There's 100, there's no percent runs where it's just like, it doesn't matter. You just beat it as fast as possible. There's a hundred percent runs where it's like, you have to do everything in the game as fast as possible. There's glitch runs where it's like, listen, you can rip the game in half if you have to. You can destroy it, mess with all the glitches you can. Well, from my understanding of like the fastest speed runs, do it usually involves some form of like glitching through a wall or for like, sure definitely know, exploiting for a, mm-hmm. to me those are the most fun and impressive ones yeah. just f- finding the 
best way to break a game to then make it to the end as fast as possible. But for some people, that's like it, it, that ruins the, the the sportsmanship of it. To them, they just want to use the mechanics that the game intentionally provides in order to beat it as quick as possible. And these can be really popular. There's a very healthy community. There's a uh, Oh, what's it called? I know every year there's like a big convention for speedrunners to all, you know, pick their game of choice and try to, you know, master it. And, you know, charity donations and support for your favorite speedrunner. It's a very fun, you know, lively community. And it's very impressive to see some of the best speedrunners in action. Yeah, I, I remember um, way back when, when I used to watch... Um call it like g4 and like their various shows they had like a um competition to i want to say it was like one of the mario games that they'd have like a guest come on and try to speed run oh cool yeah, yeah i mean and so, the- so i'm sure like there's some sort of record left from all of that but yeah. i'm guessing it's been beaten by the wider community oh for sure but but the thing is like just by bringing up like g4 you know a network that's been gone off the air for a while like this has been a big part of the gaming community for a long time even before you know like major communities right because obviously like x-play didn't create like speed (laughs) exactly you know what was already exactly so you know that's one of the more obvious examples one that i also really like (coughs) excuse me is the concept you like it so much it makes you sick. It makes me sick. The bile is forming from my love. <laughs> but the concept of Iron Man mode. And this is a thing that appears in a few games. It is basically the concept that if you die, if you get a game over in the game, you lose, your save file is deleted, you have to go all the way back to the beginning and do it all over again. And this is not the same as something like a roguelike, where the idea is, yeah, you lose and then you have to start over, but maybe you get some upgrades, or, you know, it's intentionally designed to be finished in one run. This is a this is for games that are like, no, 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 this is not the expected thing. So it becomes an even greater challenge to protect yourself and deal with a higher difficulty. I know uh, the XCOM games, I believe, have it already built in, mm-hmm. but this is something that you can... Minecraft has like a hardcore mode. Yeah, that has a very similar thing. You die in there, you gotta restart. Mm. But the thing is, you can really do that with any video game. And even though I have not done it a lot myself, it's definitely been an appeal to me. Uh, the, the, The idea of really raising the stakes and adding this kind of sense of tension and fear you know obviously there can be challenges where you know you get that the, you know uh in in games there's always that kind of like oh man that guy just beat me i didn't even see him that's so cheap or whatever and i'm sure that gets even more infuriating when you have to then destroy your yeah. save file but i think there's definitely a lot of people who love that challenge who love that suspense and for them adding that rule for themselves in games is a big draw Uh, From there, I want to talk about a few more community and game-specific challenges that people like to throw on themselves. Uh, A big one, if you're a fan of Pokemon, and I know there's a lot of Pokemon fans out there. Pokemon Sword and Shield is coming out soon. Uh, The idea of a Pokemon Nuzlocke challenge. If I remember correctly, the, the Nuzlocke term came from a comic, a fan comic that actually, like, 
proposed this concept. But the idea is, for anyone who doesn't know, generally in Pokemon, it's about collecting monsters, forming a team, leveling them up, beating uh, bad guys and, and gyms, and eventually becoming the master of the Pokemon League, and then collecting all the other Pokemon if you can. But in a Nuzlocke challenge, you're not here to collect all the Pokemon. You're not here to just, you know, forge your one pure epic team. In it, every time you go to a new location, a new route, a new road, where wild Pokemon can be found, you're only allowed to catch one Pokemon. Mm -hmm. That is it. On that particular route. You can't catch more. Then, your team that you are forming, one Pokemon at a time, if any of those team members are defeated in battle, they go down to zero HP, they've no longer fainted, they're not someone you can bring back with a potion. Once they hit zero, they are dead. You get rid of them, you kick them out of your team, and you gotta replace it with somebody else. If you have somebody else. Yeah. And this immediately adds a huge amount of challenge to the game, because the thing is, with Pokemon, it's a fairly easy series for the most part. It's a series that, once you get into, like, competitive play, for sure it can be more challenging, but for the base game, it's really just about, you know, having a, a highly level team, and knowing the kind of rock, paper, scissors style you know, water beats fire, grass beats water, this beats that, that kind of what Pokemon works best against another Pokemon. But in a Nuzlocke challenge, you can't do that anymore because you're very limited with what Pokemon you actually have. So you're going to be finding yourself going to gyms where it's like, I'm the water gym. And you just look down at your Pokemon and you go, oh, I have only fire types. Oh, no. What do I do? And it makes it an even greater challenge to overcome. And heck, it is a challenge I've, I've even been thinking about if I ever get back into that series trying to take on, because I just love the, the, the complexity of it, and I feel like it promotes this idea of, like, forming an even greater bond with your team because they could die at any minute. Yeah, I found that really appealing because that kind of... I know you mentioned XCOM earlier. That's one of the appeals to me about XCOM is that, you know, when you're forming your, your squad mm -hmm. and... You get so attached to them, and then one one of them dies. Oh, <laughs> it hurts! It hurts, and I huh? feel like that would deliver some more effect. And I think it still also kind of makes sense within the bounds of the game, because you know it is a little like silly that like oh yeah, of course your Pokemon are always fainting every mm -hmm. time you are battered about. For sure, for sure. And some other games do have already built in kind of like perma death mechanics. Fire Emblem is a series that mm -hmm. does it. I think you can turn it off in the newer games, but definitely adding that for yourself can make things a lot of fun. Uh, before we move on, I want to take talk about a few other smaller ones recently in uh, red dead redemption 2's online mode there's been something called the soup challenge where in the game your character can get a bowl of soup yep. and you can eat the soup or whatever but if you run around the soup you drop the soup bowl you pull out your gun whatever some people have made it a challenge to go from one side of the map to the opposite side of the map with their bowl of soup slowly walking and trying to <laughs> not cool. spill the soup. And the thing is, I've, I've seen some videos on it. It's so funny because it completely recontextualizes everything. Like small rocks in your path. 
or like, you know, bandits or other things that could get in your way immediately become a much bigger threat because now it's just like, I can't fight back. I must protect my soup. It's just like little fun stuff like that. Is very... I love that. I, I wasn't familiar with that challenge, but mm-hmm. I've played a lot of Red, Red, Red Dead Redemption 2, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty massive map. Yes. It's, you know, mm-hmm. especially once you get to like the kind of later stages of it. It's pretty common to just, like, use, like, a bit of fast travel. So just to imagine having to just travel everywhere by foot, not even by horse, potentially, Mm -hmm. uh, that seems pretty agonizing. Oh, for sure, I'm sure. Uh, A few smaller ones. Uh, Left 4 Dead, uh, that series, especially Left 4 Dead 2, already had a lot of fun alternative game modes i remember mutations were what they called them or every week or month or whatever they'd add like a new weird customization and its own difficulty yeah different difficulty outcome like that but there was one fan-made mode that always i found hilarious it was called left for friends the idea was you go into a versus match where you have your human team and your zombie team and one of the zombie types is called the boomer who's this big fat guy or girl that explodes and covers you in goo and then yeah. it attracts more zombies. And the idea is he, he's not very strong, but he can ruin a team's, a human team's day by getting one good attack on them. Now, in this uh, fan-made mode, whoever becomes the boomer on the zombie team runs over to the human team. And the humans have to now protect the boomer from the rest of the zombie team that's trying to destroy them. And if the zombie team destroys the boomer, the the humans have to give up. They have to let themselves get killed by the zombies. But if the humans make it to the end of the map with the boomer, they celebrate by then killing the boomer. And then, to me, it it just seemed like such a small but hilarious alternative to the base game. I never got to play it, but it was always something where it's like, man, people are so creative sometimes. One challenge I've done in Left 4 Dead is, uh, you know, there's that one, like, carnival map? Oh, and the, Noam Chomsky no, or yeah, whatever. Chomsky, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's, that was always, like, one of my favorite things to do when I played online with friends. You, and you, you know, it's, like, not to the same extent of, like, the yeah. challenge that you're talking about. But, uh, yeah, yeah, for those who don't know, basically in that carnival map, there was a, you know, you're at an actual carnival. You can play one of the carnival games and win a prize, which is a big garden gnome. And when you pick it up, you can't use your weapons. You can't, um, you know, really fight that well with it. But people are like, oh, I'm going to take this gnome and I'm going to make it to the end of the game. I'm going to save this gnome from the zombies. And it became a very fun challenge. I think you even got an achievement for it if you brought the gnome. Yeah, I believe so. I'm pretty sure it's built in. uh, More built into the game, at least. Yeah, originally I think it was just the achievement. It was just like a fun little side thing. But I think it was so popular they actually added it to other things through a mutation. Where it's like, okay, the the new game mode is you get a gnome. Somebody's (laughs) got to get that gnome to the end of the map. Uh, but yeah, those are a lot of fun, self-imposed things that other people are doing. But I want to talk about now things that we like to do. Jonathan, are there any kind of self-imposed challenges or even tweaks to games you like, be it mods even, I'll accept that, where you just take a game and you do one little change to it that you think makes the game more fun or more interesting or adds something new to it? Yeah, I have a few examples of this. First of all, when I played Minecraft, I... Mm-hmm. 
like to use a lot of different mods. And one of my favorites was actually to make the game far more complicated than oh. adding right to be, which is basically just adding like quarries and adding <laughs> all sorts of like new things that you can do with your minds and adding like radioactive material, oh, like no. all sorts of stuff like that. Um, so, so my friends and I would, you know, each build our own kind of like factories mm-hmm. uh, using this one mod. I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, and kind of race each other to try to get like the nuclear like missiles. Oh that my god! Uh, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of kind of different you know ways of running Minecraft like that. But just in like my own like personal play, I I usually do get sucked into the sort of side objectives with games. Like right now, I'm playing a lot of Shadow of War and. For pretty much all the missions they have, you know, the main goal. So, you know, if your goal is to, like, stop some, you know, Uruk from completing its trial and, you know, leveling up, it will be like, okay, like, stop them from... I think the latest one I did was, like, it was a trial by ordeal. I was trying mm-hmm. to, like, kill all of these captured Gondorian uh, soldiers, and I had to stop them from doing that. But then the side, like objective was to get like three flurry kills or something mm-hmm. like that. so I, I i always love doing stuff like that uh there are so many games i recall less from just a general gameplay and more of like oh i got a bronze medal on that level oh, i need to go mac i oh those drive me so mad right to me when it comes to games i'm fine with a super hard challenge and it's like, yeah, if I can't beat it, oh, that stinks. I'll just have to try harder. But when it comes to like, oh, you beat it, but you got the silver medal. You didn't get the gold medal. It's like, oh, man, now I'm going to be playing this challenge forever trying to get that perfect run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't always, like, I usually won't necessarily, like, go back if I didn't complete something until, you know, all the way at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is annoying to me to see, like, Technically, I beat the game, but my percentage of completion is like eighty-four percent for some reason. For sure, I'm definitely someone who is like a—I'm not like the the most extreme type of completionist, but I am someone who likes to do all the side content first if I can. It very much slows down the game, but to me, I think it's very fun to kind of meticulously go through a map find the challenges, collect the thingies, beat the side objectives, do the side quests, and then when you're super over-leveled, then you go to the main quest and just, like, breeze right through it. Yeah, I'm a little more selective when it mm-hmm. comes to side quests. Like, yeah. I remember when we were both, like, playing The Witcher around the yes. same time. I, I, I was very much like, okay, like, main storyline, once in a while I'd find a side quest I really like and follow it through. Uh-huh. But, like, you're just... Exact like, opposite. You are brawling people. You are... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the brawls. I'm fi- helping people find their spoons. I'm, I'm going to every single monster nest I can. Uh, and it's very funny because when I do that in games, I run into this problem a lot where I end up doing things that the game doesn't think I should be doing yet. So I'll like do one challenge and then get back to the main quest and then it'll give me a tutorial where like, here's how you do these kinds of challenges. And I have to go like, thanks, I already did all of them. Sorry. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, uh, another kind of self-imposed challenge I think a lot of people take on is achievement hunting, which I personally consider a little bit different than a 100% completion. Others don't. To them, it's like, no, 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 you need to get 100% in the game and also every single yeah. achievement. Sometimes they line up, sometimes they don't. But for a lot of people, that is their biggest appeal. And it's funny to me because achievements weren't even really introduced until like the last gaming generation, like the Xbox 360 and things like that. But for a lot of people, they need that gamer score. They need right. those PSN trophies. And to them, beating the game's only half the battle. Now it's about, you know, listen, there's an achievement that says I gotta take down 15 bad guys using only a boomerang in 15 seconds. Well, I guess that's my afternoon, you know? And hey, to each their own. If you're having fun, if that's your big appeal, becoming like a treasure hunter, go right ahead. For me, uh, another thing I like to do, when a game allows it, and only a few like select games really do, I'm a big fan of a good old-fashioned pacifist run. Very Some games already do have their self-imposed versions of this. Undertale is the biggest example. I think it's the one that's popularized it the most. But even before then, there are plenty of games that would let you, or maybe not plenty, but a handful of games that let you not kill a single person if you are up for the challenge. For some, that means, oh, only use non-lethal techniques. I know in the Metal Gear series, you know, the stealth series, you can sneak by a lot of enemies. When you do have to fight, you can use tranquilizer darts or just hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat to, like, tire somebody out until you can knock them out. Uh, for me, my kind of, my, my sort of achievement of sorts was when I was playing Fallout New Vegas, one of my favorite role-playing games. Right. And I put on the challenge of, Here's what I'm going to do. The hardest difficulty in the game. Very hard mode. And then I'm also going to put on hardcore mode, which doesn't kill you when you lose, but it means you have to eat food and drink water. You have to sleep. If you break a limb, you can't just stick like a little health thing in and fix it. You have to get a doctor's bag or go to the doctor to fix your limb. Basically like a lot of realism elements to it. I then also said, no companions. No one is going to help me. I gotta be completely alone. And finally, the pacifist part, I cannot intentionally kill a single person in the game. There are a few close calls. There are definitely- So did you complete this challenge? I complete this challenge. Oh wow. Yeah, I was able to keep that uh, ticker to zero. Didn't kill a single animal, not a single robot, not a single enemy. There are close calls. There is a moment in the game where you are literally held at gunpoint by two mobsters. And it's like either you fight them or they will shoot you. And what I had to do was use my speech checks, which I, I like to do a lot in games, to basically say, oh, I'm not your enemy. Your partner's your enemy. So they shot each other. But technically, I didn't kill them. That was entirely yeah, on them. I didn't have a buddy to shoot them either. And to me, it made the game incredibly fun. And I love New Vegas already, but this was such a fun new challenge because, once again, 
with these challenges, I think they have to add a new element to the game or make you rethink a lot of old mechanics. It made me use stealth a lot more, mm-hmm. sneaking by people. It made me need to use dialogue a lot more. And, and not just, like, persuasion, but other secondary skills that, like, you know, like medical skills. You can talk to doctors and then say specific things, and that gets you experience points. Another big thing about it is... You have to run away a lot, and it becomes a lot more of a horror game, because it's one thing where it's like, oh, a level three bandit is chasing with a shotgun, or whatever, you can fight this guy, when you can't fight him, and then an entire posse of low-level bandits are chasing (laughs) you down the street, and you have to, like, hide or run into a building and, like, lock the door or whatever— it becomes a lot of fun. It's really interesting. And it just forces you to play the game in an entirely new yeah, way. You're completely engaged with it. Yes, exactly. Completely engaged. And it was a lot of fun. And there's the opposite of the pacifist run, too. The the, the genocide route or the violence route or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where the idea is just, you see somebody, you kill that person. It doesn't matter if they're friend or foe. If they can be defeated... You must defeat them. And that can be very hard for a lot of games, too. Uh, But yes, uh, a few other games that do. I know Deus Ex is a series that very much is big on like, hey, be stealthy, be non-lethal, or be very, very lethal. Well, I I feel like that's also kind Mm -hmm. of subsections, too. Because, yeah, for a pacifist one, you have to use a lot of stealth. But mm-hmm. I feel like that is still different than just oh, a full oh, stealth absolutely. run, which I also feel like... There's the full stealth run, the, the concept of, like... In a pacifist run, you can still be seen by an enemy, so long as you don't kill them or whatever. In in a stealth run, you get seen. Gotta restart that level, man. You know, you want you know that perfect run. No alarms have been set. No one has found you. You got in and got out like a ghost. I know a lot of people who love a good yeah, stealth. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing that a lot in Shadow of War. Uh, I think what I tend to do when I start a stealth run like this kind of mm-hmm. happened to me when I played Dishonored as well. Is that like I'll start out like being like a stealth. Sussy, creep, 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 execute this guy, execute this guy. And then as soon as I get detected, it's all out. It's Whoa. all out. You gotta go, you gotta take him down. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's kind of what I generally do. So I, I can't say that I've ever like fully cleaned mm-hmm. the stealth run. Yeah. But I do enjoy yeah. like trying Implementing it, it where, you can, where you can. For sure. Uh, okay, so we've been talking about a lot of video games. And a lot of self-imposed rules there. But this also applies to board games. You can do this for a tabletop game. And and the the biggest example I want to talk about is Monopoly. Because right. you may not realize it, listener, but most people have no idea how to actually play Monopoly. I think every single instance I've played Monopoly has been slightly different. Exactly. Because the thing is, you, you bring this up earlier today, uh, the thing with those classic board games monopoly risk yahtzee even i don't know is is that these are games that were around before the internet before mass easy communication was a thing and it was mainly you know you're playing this with your family and your friends and your small community so if somebody mixes up a rule or, or interpret something different or says, hey, this rule doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to do something else. That's just the rule you grew up with. That's yeah, the rule you and accept. And I think a, a lot of times it can just be intentional. You know, someone will discover like, oh, playing it this way is more entertaining. And they just follow through with that. 
and you just become so accustomed to it that it almost as if it was a rule as yeah. written. I remember back in uh, like the lower grade thing, like third, fourth grade, I had a group of friends and we would play Risk like every day, like at the start of school, like during a little free time period. Yeah. But the thing is, I don't think any of us actually knew how to play Risk. It was very much like, because the thing is, we would, be, we would be doing games that would finish in maybe like 20 minutes. So it'd be like, all right, throw on your armies. Okay, invade <laughs> this place, blah, blah, blah. Who, won, who got the most kills or whatever who took over the most countries okay you win and we just go through and it was really fun you know you're taking the chips and the pieces and you're kind of almost making your own game at some points with it uh but yeah like you said sometimes it just makes the game better and uh that is basically how it's usually handled when it comes to role-playing games dungeons and dragons or anything else a lot of people homebrew their own not just rules but their own settings their own mechanics their own characters and enemies mm-hmm. and I, I i'm always for it yeah. i always and a lot of the actual games themselves very much encourage that you know core tenet of at least fifth edition dungeons and dragons is the idea that you know the dm has the final say on all of these rules and that you can choose to incorporate some rules you can choose to ignore some rules it's all about what is fun for the table yeah uh, exactly so i very much and yeah especially like when it comes to like not just like the setting where you could have you know a setting that's more focused on survival like that's one of the D campaigns that we're playing and you know you have to focus on like you know are you drinking enough water and stuff uh, whereas most D&D campaigns are more epic fantasy, where it's more about, like, you know, completing these crazy uh, quests. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure for a long time, you know, the concept of the sanity mechanic was not, like, a core D&D rule. That was just implemented by people who were like, yeah, I want a spookier game. I want to have, have my characters go crazy. So I'm going to add these new rules to the game for that exact thing. And even for the combat, the Dungeon Master Guide gives you all sorts of, you know, guidelines for how to tinker with the different monsters, and it has a whole thing, CR, challenge rating, for, okay, this is a monster that will be sufficient challenge for what it says is, like, a group of four of a certain level. Mm-hmm. So if you have a CR of five monster, then that means that it can adequately handle a group of four fifth level characters but you can tink around with that a lot uh and you know each monster also has you know offensive challenge rating and defensive one so you could have you know this huge hulking monster that you know can soak up a lot of damage but not necessarily deal out out a lot of damage not just balance you know that's for for balance but if you want to throw balance out the window and really just make something super challenging you can make this hulking beast is also just dishing out a ton of damage definitely definitely and yeah that's basically what we gotta say this is a very simple episode just really if there's anything i want to kind of leave off on anything i want to kind of wrap up with here is that for as much as of a good, tightly designed product. A big part of what makes it fun is what you put into it, you know? You are finding fun in these things. And I, I deeply encourage people to really experiment, you know? Really consider the games that they have and get into that almost that game design mindset. Really understand 
find something fun and you can make it more fun. So you can add something new. And hey, if you come up with something fun and you're able to play through it, it's good. Tell us about it on WatchGamePod at Twitter.com, you know? We'd love to hear it. But with that, I'd like to meet you all.